Hey everybody, it's T with the UFOs Want to Tell You Something. So on this episode, I just want to break down the alien abduction phenomena. You know, some of you may not be familiar with it. I got this requested to me from someone listening, and I want to just break it down for you. Kind of try to live it as you're going through the process. Okay, try to live these situations as I'm describing them. Picture yourself doing this. All these situations. So we're going to start with missing time. So you just get off of work, hard day's work, and you're you're driving home. It's 6 o'clock at night. You're on some back road. And as you start driving, you glance down. You notice the time. It's 6.05. You see a light in the sky. And you kind of think to yourself, what the hell is that? Next thing you know, you're 15 miles down the road. An hour has gone by, and it's 7.05, and you don't know where, what the hell just happened. It's taken you one hour to go 15 miles. So you go home, you feel sick to your stomach, and you just don't feel right. You feel dirty, so you go and you hop in the shower, and then you lay down. That's the missing time phenomenon. So that is the beginning and the precursor to starting to get some of these memories or getting them back rather. Now this doesn't always happen so easily. Okay, sometimes it requires hypnotic regression, but not always. And eventually we're gonna do an episode on hypnotic regression, you know. But right now we're just talking about the main portion of the abduction phenomenon. So missing time is when you're taken an hour goes by, your watch usually stops, you know. Most of the time people can't recall what happened right off the bat. There are some cases where people just remember every bit of it. But you're generally going to go home and you're going to have nightmares more than likely. Now, it doesn't always have to be an hour. You know, sometimes it's 30 minutes, sometimes it's 3, 5 hours. It's It just varies, to be honest with you. That was originally coined by Bud Hopkins in his book, Missing Time. And it's something that he pinned and kind of pointed to all the different abductions happening. You know, that was one correlating factor that he noticed. So then you lay in bed. You know, you still feel sick to your stomach. You feel kind of dirty. You just don't feel well. You note the missing time, which... You know, not in all cases do people note that. Sometimes you just forget that they even happened, which is odd in itself. But you note the missing time and the weird light that was in the sky. But you write it off as a meteorite, you know? It was there for a couple seconds and then it just disappeared. So you're laying there and you eventually just drift on to sleep. And then you start dreaming. And the dream is you driving down that same stretch of road but in front of you is an owl, a three and a half to four foot tall owl with piercing eyes just staring at you. So you're a little freaked out by this, but hey, it's just a dream. So you fall back asleep and all of a sudden that dream happens again. And it keeps on happening. So you go to your psychologist and you tell them, hey, I'm having this dream about an owl. And they say, oh, don't worry, it's just a nightmare. 
But this dream is persistent and it can't leave your mind. You just keep thinking about it and you're you're starting to get phobias of things like insects, for example, and you don't know what is happening. So then you notice that on your shin you have this little scoop mark taken out. Almost looks like some of your skin was taken with a melon baller. And you think to yourself, what the fuck? That I don't remember cutting my fucking leg. But to carry on with life, you know, you're just having these traumatic things happening to you. You have PTSD. You're freaked out by needles. Bugs freak you out. You don't know what the hell's going on. You won't go down that road again. You don't know why. It just scares the hell out of you. You're in constant fear. And you just keep getting these flashbacks of needles and weird bug eyes and fucking owls. And you don't know what's going on. Now that's a cover memory. So a cover memory is also known as a screen memory or replacement memory. I'll give you one definition that I have here. In psychoanalytical theory, a memory of a childhood experience, usually trivial in nature, that unconsciously serves the purpose of concealing or screening out or is a conflation of an associated experience or more significant or perhaps traumatic nature. So in this case, the cover memory is the owl. That's most commonly reported in abductions. You're going to see an owl, big eyes that are piercing through you almost. You don't know, you know, it's just freaks you out. Sometimes it's a deer. Sometimes it's another animal with large eyes. At other times it's different things, kind of like Mr. Peanut in the Whitley Strieber incident, for example. Going back to that. There's cases where people have been sleeping and they're awoken, you know, looking out their window to an owl staring at them, when in reality it was an apparent extraterrestrial tapping on their window trying to get in. While it sounds crazy, that's been reported before. Now, some would say that's on the part of the abductors, right? They're causing the screen memories. I don't really buy that, because before that was an apparent thing to people, Freud talked about that in regards to, well, I remember one case where he talked about a little girl who was being raped, and it appeared to her as a rat man when I believe it was either her uncle or her father that was doing horrible things to her. Now, this is just an example of our minds doing that rather than an other force you know I don't really buy into that part so you're walking through the street and all of a sudden you see a newspaper on a newspaper stand and it's got a picture of a UFO on the front and you go and you pick it up and you're kinda really weary about it you know you're kinda shaking and you realize Hey, people saw a UFO similar to the light that I saw about the time that I was missing. And then all your memories start coming back to you just in a flood. 
you have PTSD and you start breaking down so you start going and doing your research online and realize that there's something called hypnotic regression that you can do hypnotherapy so you look up a hypnotherapist he lays you down puts you in a relaxed state and tells you to relive the scenario now this is what we've seen with the Betty and Barney Hill regression as an example they both were taken separately at separate times in separate rooms but Dr. Benjamin Simon asked to relive the scenario with no leading questions and tell him what they saw so you're back driving down the road at 6.05 reliving the situation and your car dies and you don't know what's happening so you pull over to the side of the road and all of a sudden approaching you is a three and a half to four foot tall little abductor and two more coming from the side you don't know what's going on but you're freaking out they take you out of the car tell you everything's gonna be okay they take you through the woods to an apparent landed object you go up the stairs or ramp and next thing you know you're on an alien spacecraft so taking it from there they lead you into a room and sit you down they tell you to take your clothes off and you do and you're freaking out you don't know what the hell's going on and then all of a sudden they lay you on a table they do examinations on you poke and prod you with needles and then they take you for a tour of the ship they start walking you around they'll show you this is where we're from they start showing you things and then all of a sudden they give you a warning and that warning is stop with the nuclear bombs you're killing yourselves why are your people so aggressive why do you act like this and you start getting these images in your head of just nuclear devastations streets flooded dead people everywhere and the repercussions of modern times you're then shown a baby and asked to hold the baby the baby looks odd it's got fine thin hair large eyes but human eyes and just strange you're then taken back to your car and placed down in your seat and then you drive away next thing you know you come to and it's 705 so this is the alien abduction scenario now this isn't the at-home ones where you're sleeping in your bed and all of a sudden you wake up this is just driving down the road now this is reported sometimes too 
actually quite frequently. It's not all chalked up to hypnagogic or hypnopompic hallucinations. It's not sleep paralysis. This is something else. Now we're going to go into the taken from your home kind of abduction. Now this is a little more susceptible to being confused as sleep paralysis, hypnagogic or hypnopompic hallucinations. So you're lying in bed and you're sleeping and all of a sudden you're awoken from a blue light shining through your window. You can't move anything but your eyes and the next thing you know you see three bug-eyed black cloaked entities surrounding you. They take you out a window and the next thing you know you're on a flying saucer. Now this is very commonly reported as well. And the same kind of scenario happens. You're taken on there, you're asked to sit down, strip your clothes off, they do examinations on you, poke and prod you, they give you a tour of the ship, they show you a couple weird things, here's a map for example, or this is where we're from, they start giving you visions, like you start seeing things in your head, okay, of just natural disasters, nuclear warfare, whole society breaking down. You're asked to hold a baby, fine hair, big eyes but apparently human. Same scenario. So then you're in bed, your significant other isn't disturbed at all. This is your common alien abduction scenario. The screen memories still come with it. You don't remember every bit of that. Some people do, but not in every case. But the same scenario where you see a big owl, big eyes staring straight into you. You know, this is extremely odd, yet commonly reported. And the main thing with abductees is you find that they're very humanitarian. So, in the case of like Kim Carlsberg, for example, she's very famous abductee, she's got a couple books, Beyond My Wildest Dreams, that's one of them. Um, she's a vegetarian, or at least was at the time, very humanitarian, and that happens with a lot of people. And presumably because of these entities showing them things like that. Let's get into our main abductors. Now, I only clarify on two, because those are the two that make the most sense to me. Now, the first one is the most commonly reported. That's the little grays. They've got big almond-shaped eyes, teardrop-shaped head, rail-thin bodies, long fingers, long arms, They've got a slit for a mouth, two holes for nostrils, they've got no ears usually, and just kind of creepy looking. They're 
as Dr. Carla Turner put it, fetal looking. You know, they look like a human fetus, just with wraparound black eyes. Now, I've heard them come in different pigmentations, so for example, gray is most commonly reported, but white is pretty up there, like stark white. The pigmentation I've heard, like marshmallow or rubbery, it's very odd. They usually are wearing a one-piece jumpsuit with an insignia on it. Sometimes they're wearing a black cloak. Other times they're stark naked. They have no genitals, so it looks very odd. And if you go ahead and you Google right now alien abductions, or even alien for the most part, you're coming up with pictures of gray aliens. They're the most iconic and popular culture-esque ones. Now the other main abductor is the mantis or insectoid. Now honestly, we gotta come up with better fucking names for these aliens and stuff like that because these are just ridiculous. Greys, reptilians, insectoids, Nordics, come on. Let's all try to work on that instead of going with UAP instead of UFO. Now, let's put a break on that. So these abductors, they're very praying mantis-like. They have a triangular-shaped head, usually six to eight foot tall, usually wearing a black cloak. Skin color can vary, but the main one I've heard is white. Big black eyes, same as the rest. You'll notice a trend with that, with the, the skin color and the eyes. They seem to speak telepathically to you, and they seem to be the ones in charge. At times, they will come in your room, joined by the greys to abduct you. Other times, they're the examiners. Strange correlation. So, in communion, Whitley Strieber talked about a seltzer bottle exploding downstairs. He heard the noise and he ran down there, and as he ran past the door to the kitchen, I believe, there was an insectoid there, and he just kept on trucking and kept on moving. It was just a, a fleeting thought that he put in his book. That's odd. I think, personally, that adds a little more validity to his story, too, because he didn't elaborate on that. It was a passing thought. So the mantis is often reported, you know... Rail thin as well, tall, stickly. They aren't usually wearing clothes other than a cloak, as I pointed out. And if you want a better image of that, just type in on Google, you know, like Bob Mitchell's book, Intrusion. And right on the front cover, you're going to see a mantis alien. In fact, that was one of the main reasons I bought that. They're also reported to have something like an exoskeleton, possibly. And they've got three bends in the arm, like a praying mantis. Hence the name. Kim Carlsberg reports this. Lots of people do. Uh, Whitley Strieber, Dr. Carla Turner, one of her experience. She spoke about it on Coast to Coast with Art Bell back in the day. She was in her backyard... And one of these creatures, this insectoid, had her by the arm and was saying, I'm your mother, come with me. And she was screaming, no, you're not. 
that's an odd experience, but it's also plays into trying to make the child feel more comfortable and please come with me. We're not going to harm you kind of thing, which obviously didn't work. So you may be asking, why do I stick with these two specific entities? Why don't I go with Nordics or Reptilians or any of that? Now, given panspermia, I suppose that could be a possibility. Sure. Do I buy it? Not really. Again, it's a little too close to home. I would have think, you know, life would evolve a little differently on a different planet, even if it's Earth-like. Just considering how many different types of uh, humanoids that we had here. You know, we had Denisovans, Neanderthal, modern man, just different types all in one place. But why do I stick with those two? Well, again, I take what happens to our bodies in space and I kind of amplify that to maybe a macro evolution kind of level. So you take a species, let's say space bearing, and they adapt to space. Now, a couple things that happens to our bodies in space. Our weight-bearing bones and muscles deteriorate. Our fluid redistribution shrinks our legs, causes congestion in the head and a puffy face, just as an example. The oliths in our inner ear respond differently. Eyes become the main way to sense motion. And change sensory input confuses the brain, causing occasional distortion. So when we look at these abductors, and we amplify that from a different species, it seems like they may have evolved to space travel, or even life in space. And what I mean by that is, they've got the skinny bodies, they've got the big heads, big eyes, no ears usually, which adds a little validity to the telepathic kind of communication. That may just be the easiest way to do it. And nowadays, it looks like the Neuralink as an example from Elon Musk. Let's say that happened to us and we were all connected where we could talk to each other and do things like that without even using our mouths. We might evolve to something like that as well. Longer arms may be needed, skinnier bodies, exoskeletons, things like that. Now the theory of panspermia is that building blocks of life are found throughout the universe on like comets and asteroids and things like that. A lot of scientists actually think that's a very viable possibility. So when you take that into account, what's the most prevalent life form on this planet? Insects. Now, this adds a little more credibility to the insectoid, for example. So another thing that adds a little validity to this, in my opinion, is a book, one of my favorites, called Evolutionary Ufology by Jordan Hofer. Now, I know I called him Jordan Hofer on the last episode, but it's Jordan Hofer. Amazing book. The guy is an anthropologist, or was, and he took the gray alien and put it through evolution to show you kind of what would happen. So, why are aliens connected with abductions? So, 
a lot of people like to jump on the interdimensional bandwagon. And I don't buy into that. I'm sorry. Again, the reptilian thing is going to piss you off. The Nordic's going to piss you off. This one's going to piss you off, too. I think, like Occam's Razor, simplest answer is usually the correct one. If UFOs are coming from the sky, and people used to call them star people in the Native American lore, then they're from the fucking stars. They're from space. They may be able to manipulate things, but they're from space. And why do people connect the two together? Well, outside of abductions, we have people who see UFOs. Sometimes they're landed. And the same entities are present. Usually the little greys. Lonnie Zamora. You got the aerial school incident of 1962. There's a lot of different cases. You just gotta do some research. For example, John Mack talks about it. But Hopkins, a lot of people do. So, a UFO and the same occupants occurring in an abduction scenario the two are connected they're not separate so at this point you have PTSD you're living with this experience you've been abducted you've been hypnotized you try to rationalize it your hypnotist tries to rationalize it you can't come up with any alternative theories you got correlating scars, horrible memories. What do you do next? Well, there's support groups where you all join together and you have your group meeting. You talk about your experiences, you rationalize with them, and you try to make the best of it as you can. And I'm in complete support of that. I believe Bud Hopkins started that back in the 80s and again I support that completely that's help mental help that you need just to get it off your chest now generally you're gonna be in one of two camps either the experience is horrible you hate it you hate what they've done to you you hate them or you're going to be, for lack of a better term, love and lighty. So, these are benevolent creatures. They love us and want us to stop and everything's love and light. I love them so much. That kind of thing. And those are usually the two camps that you fall. Now either it's a horrible nightmare or it's a benevolent experience. They're either evil or they're angels, as an example. Okay. Now some people will take it a different route. And they'll go the religious route, okay? They're angels, they're demons, they're interdimensional, they're many different things. We gotta rationalize and look at it from an objective standpoint. Now, I'm not talking like other ufologists where, well, they're UFOs. So therefore, unidentified, 
even though they're coming from the sky, they could be coming out of a portal. You know, that's sometimes reported, but not very often. And if that were the case, I would draw more of an Einstein's Rosenbridge theory, referred to an alternate dimensional theory. You got crypto-terrestrials, we've got a ton of different theories, and to be honest with you, the one that makes the most sense is the extraterrestrial hypothesis. And people are so against that, and I have no fucking clue why. And by the way, sorry for all the cussing, you know, I'm just being real. This is how I talk. And that's why there's an advisory on there when you listen to my podcast. What's the best physical evidence we have for an alien abduction? Well, that might come in the form of alien implants, okay? Now, alien implants, people think they're tracking devices and stuff like that. It doesn't seem to be the case, because even when they're removed, they can still find you. So let's, let's look into that a little bit. Now, Dr. Roger Lear, before he died, was a podiatrist, and he used to specialize in taking alien implants out. And I remember seeing a video, and hopefully it's still online somewhere. It's kind of like an x-ray video of him taking one of these implants out, and this one's triangular-shaped. And as he's trying to grab it, the object is actually jumping away from him through that person's body, which is really odd. I know I say that a lot, but it's strange. Now, they come in different shapes and sizes, you know, triangular in this case, BBs, cylindrical objects, many different kinds. When they're tested, they're usually found to have silicone-based properties. Nothing overtly off-world, for the most part. Not to my knowledge. Now, the next bit of evidence I would point out is the marks that appear on people's bodies. Now, some skeptics may look at scoop marks and scratches and things like that and say, oh, you did that while you were sleeping. But sometimes people report waking up and having the insignia of the alien that just abducted them on their body somewhere. Almost like you were branded, as a good example. Or even seeing it on the UFO. Same, same kind of symbol. It's very strange. Now, we could also look at whether the person has conjunctivitis all of a sudden. So, in close encounters of the third kind, when you're very close to a UFO, for example, and you're staring into the lights, it causes conjunctivitis for some reason. The lights affect your eyes. And, you know, there could be cases of radiation sickness, in the case of, like, Cash Landrum, for example, where they see a UFO, their car stopped, and that was more of a close encounter of the third kind rather than the fourth, but this is another good example of physical evidence, you know, people being affected from a UFO. So an argument made by skeptics is if alien abductions are so prevalent, which they appear to be, why aren't they caught on camera? You know, everybody's got a smartphone nowadays. Why aren't they caught on security systems? Well, looking back on the phenomena and even what we've gone over in this podcast, UFOs seem to be able to affect electronics, right? You're driving your car, boom, car dies. 
That's happened plenty of times. It even happened in the Betty and Barney Hill case. I remember Dr. David Jacobs addressing some question even close to this at one point. It's been a while since I've heard it, but I do remember the answer, which was the abductee that you've been talking to, how come she hasn't set up cameras to record some of these abductions? And I remember him saying she has. And in one case, the abductee had actually jumped up, still apparently asleep, shut off the cameras, and then the abduction took place. In other cases, the abductee will be sleeping, and all of a sudden the camera system goes dead. Now, whether that be a small EMP or something else within their technology, they seem to be able to do that. So it's a little hard to record somebody being abducted. So back in the 80s, the book Intruders by Bud Hopkins came out, and it spoke of Debbie Jordan. Now, she recently came out with a book. I think it's Debbie Cobble now. I love her work, okay? She's had two separate books aside from that. One called Abducted, the other called Extraordinary Life After Intruders. And, you know, hopefully I can get her on at some point. I really want to try that one. And as a side note, sorry about not having Preston Dennett, you know, his interview on. We did one for about an hour and a half. Me and him just went back and forth talking. Great guy. Unfortunately, I just didn't record it. And that's the shitty part. So please excuse me for that. I am sorry. I apologize to him and you guys. So hopefully we can have Preston on again at some point too. But to end that side note, Let's go back to Debbie Jordan. There was physical trace evidence in her yard where the ground actually became hydrophobic, so it repels water. And this is often reported with UFO landings and such like that too, where it scorches the ground. I wouldn't say scorched as much as, let's say you have a full yard of grass except for one dead area in a circle and it seems to repel snow, water, the grass is growing around it, trees are growing around it, but right there it's just dead. That's what I mean by this landing evidence of hydrophobic material. Now Debbie reported that and there's been other reports of that as well, but that's just one example of this. So, in ufology as a researcher, you're supposed to be as scientific as you possibly can about things. Now, this doesn't always happen, okay? And this is one of those things that kind of pisses me off. Now, first off, you have to determine whether the reports that you're getting are authentic or just bullshit. There's a lot of people that make up stories. It's sad, but it's true, right? Now, you can't take a couple weird stories unless there's a big pool that all match that same story, right? You can't take a couple weird stories and then go, therefore interdimensional, or therefore time travelers, therefore crypto-terrestrials. You can't do that. When I first started out, I started listening to podcasts and reading books, and I went from extraterrestrial hypothesis 
to the interdimensional hypothesis, and then I said, well, that, that's really weird, but I need to try to look at this scientifically. So I tried to look at it scientifically. And I went right back to the extraterrestrial hypothesis. Now, I do, I research psychology, astrobiology, what happens to our bodies in space, exoplanets, panspermia, the work of surf red oil, and many others to come to the conclusions I do. Now, one thing you cannot do is say UFOs are because of Bigfoot plus Loch Ness Monster equals UFOs. We can't be trying to contact UFOs with Ouija boards and spirit boxes. Okay, that's, that's just another example. In other words, if you're trying to say this is interdimensional, you need to explain what the other dimensions are. You need to explain how it's possible, and you need to give good examples in a large pool. You cannot just say, here's a couple weird cases. People make a lot of stuff up. That's a fact. Now the main people I see this issue with, and I'm not going to name any names, but they take this as it's coined the 4T and kind of look at things. And that's when you look at so many things like cryptozoology and ufology and then you start tying them in with each other. Now that's a huge mistake on many different levels because the evidence doesn't seem to add up to that. So I'm going to do another episode on UFOs and the paranormal. But the next week's episode, I think I'm going to tackle the religious view of things, because there's a lot of misconceptions that are on that as well, where these entities are demons, right? Well, I'm sorry, folks, but that's not actually the case, and I know that's going to piss you off. And again, I'm tired of apologizing on this damn podcast. I'm not that popular. You know, I'm just starting off. I don't have a lot of people on my podcast reviewing it, looking at it. I've got pretty much family and friends. I'm putting my work out there. This is for me. And maybe to help somebody else one day. So, honestly, I'll take your criticism. But at the same time, like, if you want to debate me, feel free to come on here and let's do it. I'll be kind and I'll be nice to you. But at the same time, it's going to be intense for you because I know my stuff. So with that, I'm going to end this there. This is T with the UFOs Want to Tell You Something. Now, you can email me at theufos at yahoo.com. No capitals, no spaces, theufos at yahoo.com. Or you can get a hold of me on Anchor. Message me on there. You can get a hold of me on Facebook. I started a page up. You know, I'm not too active, but I'm trying to get a little better at that. I'd be glad to hear UFO stories, any abduction tales. If you want to debate me and come on here, you can do that as well. Anything you guys would like. I want to thank the Ghoulies again for letting us have the outro and intro of Hot Rods from Outer Space. I want to apologize to Preston Dennett. Hopefully we can have you on again. I want to apologize to you guys for not having that interview. So, this is the UFOs want to tell you something. Alright, keep kicking it.